Hey everybody, welcome to the Sally Allen podcast. As you know, on this podcast, we give people a platform to share their stories of resilience. And we have a story of resilience for you today. I have my dear friends, Brian and Amy Dunphy. They live in New Jersey. And we just realized I've known them for almost 20 years. Brian is a pastor. Brian, he's a pastor at uh, Calvary Chapel, Old Bridge, but he's also an executive coach, consultant. Amy, all jobs are hard, but this is the hardest. Amy homeschool, and um, they, she's a mom. They're parents of 10 children. Welcome, Amy and Brian, to the Sally Allen podcast. Uh, thank, thank you so much for having us. It's great to be here, Sally. Thank you. Yes, yes. Um, I am, uh, you know, I know that today we're going to talk about Hope's story and Hope's, Hope's your daughter. Uh, she has brought so much hope to other people and I can't wait for you guys to share uh, about her story. So what made you want to come on the podcast and share this story today? Well, um, Hope has transformed our lives. And the Lord showed us so much through her life. And even though she was only with us for eight months and 23 days here on earth, um, her impact on our lives and on our children's lives and uh, people that we know has been quite profound. And so we just want to share her story because it does bring hope to our lives. And we believe it's going to bring hope to many other people's lives as well. That's great. And, and, and I commend both of you for wanting this out there because I know um, one of the reasons I do this is for that reason, uh, to bring hope to other people, right? I give people a platform to share their stories so that other people out there can hear this and see this and say, wow, we aren't the only ones going through this. So that's pretty awesome. Brian, how about you? You know, as Amy was sharing, Hope's life very much transformed us and changed us not only individually, changed us as a couple and changed us overall as a family. And when we reflect back on the blessing that her life was, um, we can't help but want to share her story. Uh, and, and part of her story includes the impact that she had on so many other people's lives as well. And, and there's an element for us where we feel like we would be selfish if we didn't share her life, her story, and what she meant not only to us, but to so many people around us. Yeah, I, I agree with that. You know, um, God's words tell us, right? We, we go through trials uh, so that God can comfort us and show us how to comfort other people when they go through those trials. And that's what th this, I hope, with Hope's story will do today. So tell us about Little Hope and tell us when this story, you know, how the story began and, and um, walk us through that journey. Sure. Um, it all started for us in the fall of 2018 when we found out we were pregnant with our 10th child and uh, we were very, very excited. And uh, we secretly hoped that she would be a girl. <laughs> And uh, we had had four boys in a row. We had six total. And we're like, maybe this one will be a girl. But whatever God gives us, we are going to be so excited to have. And so um, the pregnancy started, though, with some complications. Um, I had some thyroid issues. Um, I had a threatened miscarriage. 
so we weren't sure exactly if I was even going to carry her to full term. Uh, we found out, uh, I'll never forget the day, on December 6th of 2018, my doctor called to tell me um, the results of a blood test that I had um, that basically indicated that Hope had trisomy 18. And she said, Amy, you're having a girl and she has trisomy 18. And so this was very hard for me to hear because I knew what that diagnosis meant. I had a friend whose son had trisomy 18 and had passed within 30 minutes of his birth. So I knew that this was what was called a fatal diagnosis and that my baby was going to die. What is that diagnosis, Amy? What is that in layman terms? Trisomy 18 is a chromosomal abnormality. Uh, it's basically the 18th chromosome. Uh, we're supposed to have two of them and she had three. So uh, she had three of them and what it does, there are different chromosome abnormalities such as Down syndrome, which is the 21st chromosome has tripled. Um, it doesn't always mean that it's fatal, but in this situation, um, the effects of having that 18th chromosome tripled affect a child in developmental ways. Um, they can be very small. They can have multiple birth defects, um, compromised immune systems. And um, the textbooks will tell you that it's a fatal diagnosis and that basically it's a no hope situation. Mm. So, uh, you know, the doctors basically told me, your baby's going to die and we think the baby could even die before you even deliver. So uh, this was, this is what I carried with me for nine months and pretty much every doctor's appointment, the doctors would look at me with trepidation, like, are we going to hear a heartbeat this time? And by wow. the grace of God, we did every time. So one, one, how did you guys reacted when you got that news? And two, how did you go through nine months knowing that you're going to carry this baby to full term, maybe, and you're not going to have this precious little bundle of joy in your life? Well, I, for me, when I got the news, Amy had called me. I was actually in uh, a meeting with uh, probably about, 12 different pastors, and we immediately went to prayer because um, I understood what it was. Um, you know, the Amy's so much better with the science of all this. Uh, for me, uh, the way I've always heard it described even prior is, again, as Amy shared, we, we have that friend in common who had it. Uh, trisomy 18 is commonly known as bring your child home to die syndrome. And... And so as soon as like, I got that, at first it was some disbelief. It's like, no, maybe there's wrong. Maybe, maybe there's something we can check. Maybe there's another test. There's, 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 there's that immediate bargaining that kicks in, that disbelief that kicks in. Mm -hmm. And so that's what was to me. It hit that, but I still knew, you know what, let's go to prayer. Uh, and at which point we prayed. And then I left that meeting and jumped on the phone with Amy and, and we prayed as I was making my way home. Uh, so for me, it was, it was some shock, it was some disbelief, and it, and it was bringing this to prayer because I knew uh, I was stepping into something and that we were stepping into something uh, much larger, much bigger than what we had encountered ever before. Yeah, and uh, I have to tell you the words 
that the doctor said to me, the very last word she said to me before she got off the phone. And she had known me, obviously I have 10 kids, so she knew me for all my other pregnancies. And she said, Amy, I know you're a person of faith and there's always hope. And that stuck with me. There's always hope. Mm. And uh, I didn't feel very hopeful in that <laughs> moment. I went into um, a dark time. I'd say for the entire month of December, I was very depressed. Um, I had a hard time just even functioning, mm -hmm. uh, just knowing that I was going to have this baby that was probably going to die, if not in my womb, shortly after. And uh, also to carry the burden of explaining this to our children. Yeah. Very much looking forward to a new sibling. Um, so that part was very challenging, for sure. Mm. Amy, how how did you, um, you said you went through that state, state of mind for a whole month. How did you get out of that? I know faith carried you through, but also, and hope, literally. But, but how did you get out of that? You know, I'm so glad you asked that because um, I actually remember a specific moment. Um, it was Christmas time. And I decided to go see a local choir sing. And uh, I was like, I don't feel like doing this, but you know what? Maybe it'll help in some way. And uh, one of the singers sang about Mary and how scared Mary was carrying Jesus. And her, what she said was, let it be to me according to your word. And I just decided in that moment, this is about surrender and I just need to trust him and I'm going to surrender to the Lord and, and as hard as it's going to be, I'm going to trust you. But it, you know, it was a daily having to do that. It wasn't like one yeah. time we're done, but I do remember that moment in time and just finding comfort and thinking about what Mary went through. And that was a difficult pregnancy for different reasons. Right. Right. But, um, but it, it surely ministered to me. And um, just having a lot of support, friends uh, who were encouraging me and just would sit with me. I had one a really good friend who would come over and just sit with me. She sat with me in my bathroom that day. I, I became yes. frozen and she just sat with me and we cried together. Yeah. The grieving process. Um, but again, just continually giving it over to the Lord and knowing that, okay, God, I'm going to trust you with this. Yeah. Yeah. Brian, how about you? How did you deal with those nine months and how did you get through it? You know, um, there were a couple things. There was consistent prayer. And for me, there there was a lot of time spent collecting my thoughts around, um, around preparing, mm -hmm. uh, preparing for her birth, preparing for the possibility uh, that she doesn't make it full term, uh, being there to serve my wife, being there to serve my kids, to keep my responsibilities, uh, both professionally and in ministry. Uh, so a, a lot of it for me was, was do the next thing. Uh, what is the next thing I need to do? Uh, because I didn't want to let anyone down. I didn't, I wanted to serve the people around me. And, and I, as much as I didn't want this to be real, I knew it was real. And, and I needed to adapt and adjust to that reality and and love the people around me that I say I love. Mm. So, Brian, I'm going to assume 
you're more analytical and logical about things. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, it, it was one of the, it, it was, it, and there really wasn't, and, and you're hitting that right, Sally. Um, and, and that was part of the challenge for Amy and I even, I said it transformed us as a couple uh, mm -hmm. for us to be understanding and accepting of how the other was processing mm. uh, hopes, diagnosis. Because you're right, for me, it was more analytical. It was doing the next thing. Uh, for Amy, there was much more uh, of an of emotional, relational processing. Mm -hmm. and, and we learned how to be there for each other, understanding those different styles. And, and one of the things I will say uh, about Hope's life is um, it improved every facet of our lives. It mm -hmm. improved our family, improved our marriage, and improved us as individuals. Yeah, this is a very tough situation. So I like that you touched on that because I'll, you know, marriages don't make it through something like this. But like you're saying, you know, everybody grieve, they have their own process, you're more analytical, you're like, let's move forward. Amy is dealing with it her way. Give us a little if somebody's listening to this, what are some of the things you would say to them that that you guys use some processes that you use to help your marriage grow through this and and to understand each other um i can say that i needed to be clear to brian what my needs were mm -hmm. um i had a particularly difficult time in the morning when i would wake up and reality would hit me that i'm carrying a baby that has a diagnosis that's fatal and i would just cry and um, I would say, I need you to be with me in the morning. And um, I, I told him, I, I need you to be tender with me. I'm very weak. And so um, I, I did try to make it known to him that these were my needs. And um, rather than just have you tell me all the reasons, you know, why I should hope and everything, can you just sit with me? Mm -hmm. Can you just be with me in my grief? because it definitely was a grieving process and, and just um, be my friend, really. That's what I needed was a friend. I love and, that. And in truth, there was a learning curve to that. Uh, there was a learning curve for both of us. It, it, it's, uh, it, it's something that I did imperfectly at the start. And I think uh, we both improved on as, uh, as Hope's journey continued. And, and I have to really, I just, I mean, you nailed it. When you said like, you know, asking for what we need, you know, in the midst of this, you know, we talked about me being somewhat analytical and practical about this, you know, I still had responsibilities mm -hmm. that I needed to care for. And so it was also me asking for what I need and, and Amy being an amazing friend and amazing wife to be there for me with, with the things I need and helping me through my stresses and understanding uh, what I was going through and how I was processing this. Yeah, Amy, I want to touch on what you said. I don't think there's anything weak about you. What you went through carrying, you know, your baby for nine months knowing she's not going to be around. That's not for the faint of heart. So um, I know by the grace of God, you did it, but that's strength and that's resilience. So, um, you know, I'm honored to hear that part of your story. So thanks for sharing that. Now, Hope is Born. Tell us a little bit about that, Hope. So um, Hope 
defied everything that every doctor had ever told us. Mm. And as soon as she was born, first of all, she had a perfect birth. Her heart rate didn't go down at all. It was all natural. Everything just went perfectly. And from the moment I looked at her, she made eye contact with me. She attempted to nurse all the things they told me that wouldn't happen. I mean, I had a doctor, a very reputable doctor told me that in England that they let these babies die. They just let them starve because, Uh, you know, in their mind, this wasn't going to be much of a life. mm -hmm. And so um, she showed me that she wanted to live. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. She interacted. She was pink. She was beautiful color. And um, we had all the family rush to get there because we wanted to, if she was going to pass, we wanted them to have a few moments with her. Yeah. And we had the whole family there. We had a photographer. And I have to tell you, my my OBGYN, as soon as she was born, she took a little while to cry. I patted her on the back. They suctioned her and she made a big cry. <laughs> and my OBGYN looked right at me and started crying. Oh. And tears were streaming down her face. And I knew in that moment, I'm like, this baby is going to be so different than what everybody told us. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and she's going to change all of us. And she sure did. And it was a beautiful, beautiful time and uh, kind of an odd time because she would, you know, we had her in the room with us and I want you to know, I had nothing ready. Okay. I, I had two outfits for her an outfit <laughs> for her birth and an outfit for her burial. This was how much I believe that she was going to die. Yeah. And so now I have friends scrambling, trying to get a bassinet down from my (laughs) attic and, you know, trying to set up the house, trying to find girl clothes. I mean, because it was really a scrambling situation, (laughs) but it was beautiful. Yeah. I never pictured myself being in a wheelchair, being wheeled out with my daughter in my arms, leaving that hospital. I never did. And having the car seat in the car and putting her in and like looking at her and, oh, she's crying. None of these things I never, ever, ever expected. And everybody was marveling in the hospital. They were a little bit in shock that she was the way she was. And uh, it was it was beautiful. And it was a beautiful homecoming with balloons. I mean, it was just so my sister came in from Florida but at this time we thought well we're still on a clock like she's probably gonna pass she had some erratic breathing you know we weren't sure like what does this mean we look at each other is she okay you know even parents of a newborn think those things even when their baby's perfectly yeah yeah so we had all of those thoughts so basically our house became you know Grand Central Station I mean it was like people just coming in and out, visiting. They wanted to see her, touch her, look at her. because She was this miracle child. And so it was wonderful. I mean, cars lined up and down the block, people bringing food. Um, but it was also a little scary, too. Sure. Yeah. You know? Brian, what's your perspective? So, you know, it, it was interesting because we, we brought her home. And again, we weren't expecting to bring her home. We were praying that we would. And then here she was. And one of the things that has stood out to me from the moment we got the diagnosis all the way through Hope's entire life um, has been my wife's fortitude and her intelligence. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's interesting, even as you listen to her speak, you know, as she throws out the medical terminology, 
Um, it was interesting because she was such an amazing caretaker to hope throughout the entire pregnancy and through her life. And, and what's making me think of that is when we brought hope home, mm-hmm. one of the things that would happen is, is she would actually start to turn purple. Mm-hmm. And because she had something going on with her heart, she was going to require uh, reconstructive heart surgery, which is another story we can get to a little later. Um, and, and my wife was the one who figured out what was causing her to do that. Um, and, and she, she did the research and, and, and one of the things that's funny, we, uh, not only in our house, but, uh, around with her friend groups, it's it's Dr. Amy (laughs) and, and, and literally her friends will call her and ask her advice. And, And that's where I've gotten to because, um, I've just become so impressed yeah. with her intelligence in this, and even down to, um, uh, you know, she she's not someone who reads message boards. She she reads scholarly articles, <laughs> and 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 again, and that really just came to the forefront with hope as hope came home and and her care and and just, you know, again her brilliance and her intelligence and how she cared for hope. So. So okay, so hope hope came home, and you're all rejoicing, but still on the clock. How are the children handling this? Um, all different ways. Some of them were just in disbelief, like, "Wow, our sister's here." Um, <laughs> everybody was gathered around her every single day. We took pictures of each child holding her. Mm-hmm. Uh, my oldest, he would hold her and weep over her. Ah. Oh. Um, I mean, we're talking about a guy who was, you know, this is, he's a junior in high school. He's an athlete. Oh. And um, he would just sit and weep over her, um, just thinking about, you know, how long do I have with her? Um, so it was, it was a lot of different feelings. You know, little kids, they can't quite process the whole thing. Yeah. So they're just looking at what's in the present, like, oh, baby's here. She's crying. She's doing baby <laughs> things, you know, but not quite understanding, like, no, that diagnosis is still here. Yeah. And she still has some problems. Um, I was not able to feed her with a bottle initially, even though she did attempt to nurse. Um, I had to pump my milk and take a syringe and feed her with a syringe just drop by drop. Mm-hmm. She had some difficulty, but she took it in. And, uh, you know, every day she'd take a little bit more, a little bit more. And, um, you know, it was it was all we were marveling, but we were scared you know, it was a lot of mixed emotions. And then it was like, okay, well, what do we do next? And, yeah. you know, not knowing the day, really. And yeah. just the, like not even being able to sleep well at night because yeah. she's going to pass in her sleep, you know, mm. those kind of thoughts would come in and I would wake up startled and just stare at her and watch her breathing, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. you know, it, it was, we had some really scary times when she would turn color, like my husband mm-hmm. mentioned. It was really yeah. scary. I'm glad you mentioned about the emotions because I was going to ask you about that scared and and mixed emotions. There's joy joy in it, and then I'm sure there's sadness in it, and 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 it had to be the one of the most beautiful times, but also one of the hardest times you guys have been through. Would you say? Absolutely. Um, I look back on it now, and of course, you know, uh, I think about that time as the most beautiful time. I think during it, I was, it was like, this is such a scary time of unknown, mm-hmm. but I look back at it now and I'm like, that was so beautiful. 
and there was really nothing scary about it at all. Mm. It was just here. It was like the Lord was saying, receive what I've given you and enjoy her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brian, how about you? Like during that time, you know, what were some of your emotions and what were going through your head? It, again, it, for me, there was, uh, I wanted to make sure I was there for Amy and I was there for my kids. And you had mentioned, you had mentioned my kids. You know, one of the things we did with the kids through this is we spent a lot of time talking them through what's going on with Hope. What mm -hmm. is her medical situation? Um, and, and also bringing them to a place where um, they didn't need to fear uh, what could be her going home to the Lord. Yeah. Um, and that, and we, and really instilling in them this idea of value what's in front of you, invest in what's in mm, front of you, I like be that. tenacious in what's in front of you. And, and I, and I love that Amy shared, um, that, that story about her, um, using a dropper to feed hope. Mm -hmm. Um, the amount of times, um, my wife allowed herself to be used in God's hands to keep hope alive was amazing. Uh, because she wasn't going to eat absent that. Mm -hmm. um, but again, there was this, there was this a mother's love and just and just a, an incredible woman's tenacity to just do the next thing and do what was necessary for for her daughter. Uh, and, and in all of that, uh, there there was some of my own processing in this, um, you know, and in and for me. I wanted to take the stance of gratitude and yeah. take the stance of how do I serve everyone around me in the midst of this trial? Um, how do I how do I position myself so everyone else can get the most from her life? Yeah, yeah, wow. To be thinking like that during that time, Brian, your faith. I would say that shows how strongly grounded you are in your faith and being analytical too. <laughs> so, uh, do that much better than I could. So, you know, <laughs> talking about having these conversations and I'm like, wow, yes, you were really holding it all together. Yeah. Yeah. Having these difficult conversations um, while I'm just trying to figure out how to get food in her. You know, <laughs> so important to yeah. be cognizant of that. Yeah. Brian, during that time, one of the things you've done is you've posted a lot in social media and I was following Hope's story. And I know that that probably has touched so many people and probably changed lives. Tell me a little bit about that. So for me, what had happened was, and, and there was a long, um, there was a long battle to find uh, a hospital, a surgeon who would do Hope's heart surgery. Mm -hmm. and, and I'll let Amy share about that. And again, more plays, ways in which she was fantastic and tenacious and, and resilient uh, beyond anything I ever pictured. Um, but uh, what had happened was as we were going to get her the heart surgery, I had realized at that point that this was a story that needed to be shared. And, and this was transformative for me, mm -hmm. um, I realized I couldn't do this alone. And the big reason I started posting on social media was, yes, I wanted to share her story, but I knew that Amy and I and my family, we needed 
a community of friends and family and people who cared to be supporting us in this with in this because there was it was so much bigger than anything we'd ever had so everything you see on my facebook page around uh those posts that that was me recognizing my own frailty and my own limitations in being able to support my family through this and and knowing i needed more than just myself mm, that's powerful thank you for sharing that that's really powerful and vulnerable too uh, but I know you got like a lot of responses from that. Tell me about that. And, and I know hope has changed some other lives too. Can you share us, you know, uh, one of those stories? Sure. Um, for me, because I was so involved with the medical community. Yeah. I really saw how her story changed the perspective of so many health professionals. Mm. We started getting hooked up with a lot of different other parents of trisomy 18 children, mm -hmm. um, and they would refer us to different doctors. And we had several surgeons across the country agree to operate on her. Mm -hmm. And uh, she actually ended up getting surgery at Boston Children's Hospital. And they, when they received her, they were like, we don't understand why your local children's hospital would not operate on her. Oh. Um, because she just was doing all of these normal things. <laughs> but, um, but, but all that to say, the doctors there um, were really surprised by her. And I remember there was a neurodevelopmental psychologist who came in and was examining her. And she's like, she's making eye contact. She's identifying, you know, when I'm, I'm you know, wiggling a toy over her. Yeah. And, um, you know, I found out recently that that doctor actually presented her case at, um, you know, some kind of symposium that she had. And, you know, I feel like the word is getting out that, you know, these children with trisomy 18, they're more than a diagnosis. Yes. This is a child made in God's image who uh, can really do some amazing things if you just give them a chance. Yeah. Uh, so throughout the medical community, I do think that um, we saw a shifting, you know, and even, you know, amongst uh, we have saw a geneticist and, um, you know, we saw our pediatricians, of course, and I don't think they'd really ever seen a baby with trisomy 18 that had made it this far. And, um, you know, it was it was really neat to see that. And we had nurses coming in our home and. Yeah. They were surprised at the things they were seeing. So um, definitely she had an impact in the medical community. And of course, as well, you know, through people that we've interacted with. And I think the other place that Hope's story uh, made an impact is, um, and I got this feedback uh, fairly often, was, was people seeing us taking a stand for her life. Mm -hmm. and and being willing to endure hardship yeah to preserve her life uh, yeah. and and to to view her life as greater than than our comfort and our plans and and lots of people really encouraged and supported us in that and I'm incredibly grateful to the people who did um, but that was a large amount of feedback that I got as well that that people had shared with me um, that they were inspired that we were taking a stand and enduring and persevering and challenging the status quo for her life. And, and, and realistically, and you hear this all the time, that, that 
that's not how Amy and I looked at it. Uh, we looked yeah. at it. Here's this. It's our daughter. There's this yes. beautiful girl. What? How would we not fight day and night to support her life? How would we not go above and beyond to 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 defend her and to preserve her and and to to demonstrate that even to our children? And I, and I love what Amy had shared because we had another child who had open heart surgery. And that was a very real thing. How do we share with our kids? Um, yeah, we got heart surgery on one, but we're, you know, we're not going to do this on another. No, every life was incredibly valuable. And, and a lot of the feedback I got was people were inspired by that. But again, for us, this, this was just, this was love. There, there, there was, mm -hmm. there was no heroic or thoughts of in, being inspirational. There was just, yeah. what do we need to do today to yeah. serve this little girl? But that's who you are. That's you being there for Amy in that capacity. That's both of you living in your faith and integrity. That's your foundation. And you were just living your lives the way you know how. And um, that's so incredible to hear and see that because not giving up um, takes strong faith foundation and trusting in a big God. Right, trusting in a big God, that's what's not giving up is, and his love pouring out of you both into faith and your children and a community. Um, Amy, I love what you share about faith changing the way the community, the, the medical community, look at things now. Um, what a purpose. No one else could have done that. Little, you know, little Hope did that. She did that. She came out and, and she, she did that. She changed that. No matter what you and Brian would have said to the medical community or what your friends would have said, it didn't change. Hope came and she changed that. And I'm getting the goosebumps here. I, I absolutely love that. I have, I have so many stories I could go on. Yeah. Yeah. So many doctor, he was amazing. He just, yeah. he was like, are you sure she has trisomy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 So what would you guys say to parents going through this, you know, um, what would you say to them? What's a takeaway for parents going through this? Something like this, not even uh, trisomy, trisomy 18. Am I saying that correct? Um, but what would you say to parents going through something similar to that or the same thing with their you know, newborn or child? Well, I would say God's way is perfect. Mm. And, um, you know, his way is best. And even if your child has a diagnosis, whether it's a fatal diagnosis or a long-term illness, God uses those things for his glory and for his good in ways that you can never imagine. Yeah. I can tell you that God has done exceedingly and abundantly more than we could ever ask or think um, in our own lives and our family's lives. Um, he has used her in ways I know. I told Brian when I was pregnant, this is going to change me forever. Yeah. I, I thought in a negative way. I really did. But I also told my husband, I would never want to be the person I was before hope. Mm. I would never want to be that person because of how he changed me. And before she, you know, even through her life and her passing, it's transformed us in a way. And just to trust God and know that he has a plan Every child is made in his image and every child is fearfully and wonderfully made. Even the ones that have extra chromosomes. Yes. They're all 
fearfully and wonderfully made. Yeah. And uh, it's something that we just, we want to tell everybody that um, you don't need to fear that child because that child is going to teach you things yeah. that you never even thought you could know. Wow. Brian, what's the takeaway from you? Um, I, I'd say a couple things. The first thing is to recognize that so often our fears are actually greater than the challenge we're facing. Um, we, we build things in our head, real things, difficult things, things like trisomy 18. Um, but the fear very often is greater than, than what the challenge is in front of us. And when you, when you lean in, when you lean into the struggle, the trial, the challenge, um, that's when you start to find the resources necessary to move forward and, and to love others and to serve others. And, and, and we've seen God come through for us in fantastic ways through that. Um, so that, that would be the first thing I would say is um, recognize that the fear is probably greater than the challenge, whatever the challenge is. Mm -hmm. um, and the second thing I'd say um, is, is resist the temptation of doing anything alone. Um, invest in the relationships, the close relationships you have around you to help you help support you through this. And so if you're married, you know, Sally, you were mentioning, yeah, a lot of couples don't make it through uh, in great health when they find adversity. Mm -hmm. um, but the couples who are going to say, no, uh, I'm going to remember this friendship. I'm going to remember this relationship. I'm going to invest in this person while I'm going through the hardship. Um, that makes a difference. And it creates, uh, it, it creates uh, an upward spiral, mm -hmm. a, a reproductive effect where uh, you pour that energy into someone else and it creates a new, stronger energy between the two of you uh, or in your community of friends uh, or of loved ones. And so those would be the two thoughts that come to mind for me. That's incredible. And I love that. You know, friends, I always bring a takeaway in here. And my takeaway today is um, we never know why we go through trials when we're going through this. But life is about trial. Either you're in a trial, you're going through a trial, or you're coming out of a trial. And um, we know that they happen for a reason. And God uses those for his glory. So whatever it is you're going through, um, just know that there is a purpose and there is a reason for it. And with that, Brian and Amy, I want to thank you so much for sharing your story on the Sally Allen podcast today. Um, I'm so blessed to hear it. And Brian, even though I followed your social media, I, I didn't know all of this. So it's so great to get this out into the community on all the social medias to encourage people because you never know who need this right now. So thank you for listening to our podcast. Um, we want to thank our audience. If you like our show, rate, review, and share with your friends. I want to thank Amber behind the decks and Sticky Paw Studio. Thank you, Sally. Thanks, Sally. How'd you guys feel?